you find yourself with the same incurable curiosity as us, this is a place for you. This is Spiritual Smorgasbord with Cheyenne and Desiree. Hey, Desiree. Hey, Cheyenne. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> Killing it. Right? Just loving life. Loving everything yeah, about speaking it. Speaking of loving life, did you see the Super Bowl? Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. No, okay. Yeah. Like, I saw the Super Bowl, but like yeah. the halftime show is what you're asking me about, right? Yeah. The, the halftime Ooh, show. child. Mm-hmm. Talk about nostalgia. Love it. Love it. Love it. Bringing it back home for all of us. Yeah. Especially the millennials. I mean, like, <laughs> kind of a big deal for us. <laughs> It was a really good show. I mean, it wasn't like the all-time best halftime show that's ever been. To but me, it was but just probably because really it hit me in the feels. Right. Their right. outfits, the stage setup, the defiance from the artists not taking the network shit with their outfits and what they right. were going to say and their image yeah. and how they want to portray. Yeah, it was inspiring to say the most and the least. Mm-hmm. So I don't. it doesn't turn into... You know, okay, if we wanted to take over this episode, which we shouldn't, because I think that this is a very important episode, but let's talk about, like, Snoop Dogg. Right? Oh, my gosh. This man always looks good, but this performance, this outfit, this symbolism. Yeah. The designer in me, of course, had to go and, like, Snoop dupe his outfit, and, like, immediately, within hours, I had two dupes up on Serafina, um, like dupes of his outfit for sale he inspired you yes because That's i loved a, his outfit i don't so want to be like she plagiarized his stuff no 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 they're, yeah, they're no, like he didn't look like they're yeah. they, they are it's not like, exact hey, replicas no 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 no. No, they're like inspired but did you know why he wore that outfit no i just loved it <laughs> okay well i loved it too and the glasses and just the, mm, yeah 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 mm, the way he moved yeah um but I was reading something on the online and it was stating that the network did not want Dre to talk about the that line that was like how we still don't like the cops. Oh, okay. So he like said it fiercely. Like he didn't he didn't take it out. He emphasized it. Oh. He was like this is real. We're bringing this back. I'm not going to edit myself. Oh. So then for Snoop, they were like, yeah, you can't have a blue bandana hanging outside your jeans to signify like a gang that you're a part oh, of. And the outfit. So was he blue- was like, OK, so I'll he wore make my a giant whole, blue yeah, bandana. Because that's what he does. He's uh, Snoop Dogg. See, to me, that was like a blue with like gold mandalas all over it. But now that you say that, it totally was a blue bandana. The whole yeah. thing was like a blue gold bandana. He's representing the time. He's representing the struggle. Mm-hmm. He's representing his self. Yeah. As Snoop Dogg said very famously, I'd like to thank myself mm-hmm. for being here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we all love to give it to God and give it to our creator and give it to all that stuff. But you put in some hard work. You put your feet on the ground that day. You breathed. You did that. Mm-hmm. And I respect somebody that recognizes, like, because of the choices that I made, because of what I wanted, because I knew what I could do and what I could be, mm-hmm. this is me. Right. And then he didn't take no sh- from the networks. <laughs> and I respect that. I mean, it wasn't hanging out his back pocket. Well, <laughs> he did something that I would probably do, too. It's just called a workaround. Right. 
you yeah. know, and yeah. that is the best workaround I've seen to date. Yeah. And um, I also love that Martha Stewart's is like best friend. Right. I would give anything to like be a tripod with him. <laughs> I'm like, she's going to cook while we listen to some music. Hang out. <laughs> um, yeah. So. I really, really enjoyed that show. It was very great. It was very nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Um, 50 Cent popping in. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. It brought me back to like, no matter what song that popped up, I was like, I remember where I was. I remember where I was. Um, Mary J. Blige come in with that just like heavy hitter that mm-hmm. is in the back of our playlists. Mm-hmm. Broken heart again. Another lesson learned. You know, you're just like, bless you on your friend. Yeah, just I'm I'm back in it right now. <laughs> you will get burned. Yeah, great memories, great show. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really really happy that they did that. I'm like spiraling in my head right now. I'm like, what a great freaking show. <laughs> it was a good show. Do you ever notice that every time we talk about music, even talking about it or listening to it, like it takes me a minute to recover. Yeah. Like I just vibe <laughs> up into a different, I'm in like 5D and then I'm like, oh yeah, sorry, we're recording. Okay. So uh, today we are following up uh, Nick Dysar's episode. Yes. I'm so glad I said it right again. Um, he said a lot. I really, really love like all of his like short story life lessons and mm-hmm. then was very candid with where he is now. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't hear enough stories about the men in the the pregnancy situations like, hey, my wife's having a second kid. This is what I went through with my first kid. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's like a lot of shame around fatherhood and about the connection with the baby, why the mom's growing it, mm-hmm. um, nurturing the mother who's obviously having your kids is super important if your relationship is good enough to do that. Mm -hmm. I think the obligation of nurturing a woman that like say you mistakenly, mistakenly knocked up, which happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's like a guilt and a shame and a, I can't talk about this. And then you put on this like weird mask that you're like happy about everything. And, oh, I'm totally connected. Yeah, we do this. We do this. We go to the doctor's appointments. But if more men would come forward and talk about the uncomfortability of being the masculine in this situation while, you know, whoever's growing your baby inside, I think it would just open up a huge 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 support system for men and we could stop this underlying issue Mm -hmm. so I really really um credit him for coming and being so vulnerable not only about his past how he's helped himself and just continue to move forward um people with substance abuse issues any trauma like that um are near and dear to my heart I've had plenty of people on my path that I've helped and have helped me in different situations and um I just really want to come on today and really go over how important it is to figure out how to support them. And you have some notes that are really going to help people understand like the way the mind works and why if you're looking at them being like, you're just a derogatory comment. Right. You know, realistically, there's more to the story. Yes. There's always a root issue. Yeah. You know, um, I know that um, you're going to talk to us a little bit about just substance abuse in that context. I don't have a lot of personal experience with substance abuse in the drug world, so I don't feel like I'm the expert in that world. But I could talk to us a little bit just about what 
the science side, right? So um, the fact that it is the limbic system, it's a reward circuit that um, it controls our ability to feel pleasure. And as a repeated behavior, dopamine is released. It travels through a synapse, then dopamine receptors in a receiving cell carries a signal that delivers a reward. And that dopamine surge is a natural reward that drugs create a false surge. So um, when you take a drug, um, you create a do- a fake uh, dopamine release and a fake reward. And so once someone is addicted, they're not using drugs any longer to feel good. They're not using drugs any longer to get high. They're using drugs to feel normal. They're using drugs just to get up to a normal level, a regular level. What did you just say? Because there is nobody that there's no way that I've ever heard it put like that before. Can you just repeat it for the people (laughs) in the back? So addiction isn't about um, addiction isn't about getting high. Addiction is about getting normal. Um, It isn't about a. a lot of times we use the word addiction and we say addiction is somebody who uses drugs. And a lot of times somebody who is addicted, a, a lot of times they've fought the use of drugs. They no longer use drugs. Someone who's addicted no longer use drugs. They could relapse and be a user again. Um, they could be somebody who's using drugs. But someone who's addicted uses drugs just to get back to a space of normal. They don't use drugs to get to a space of high. They don't use drugs to get to a space of good. They're just using drugs to get to a space of not bad. I just thought of a conversation I had with a friend one time. She was going through a really hard time way back in the day. And um, I knew that she was doing the most. And I sat down with her one day when she was having her breakdown. And I said, do you know why you do this? Do you know why? And she said, I messed up everything so bad here, and I don't really know how to come back. I just know that when I come down, it hurts so bad that the only feeling of relief that I can is to go back up. I want to stop so bad. I want to be better, and I literally don't know how. She'd been to rehab many of times to the point where I'm sure if she went back, they'd be like, sup, here's your clothes. Mm -hmm. You know, just kind of one of those stories, but... I really like my heart went out to her in that moment because she wasn't sitting there like some weird succubus bacteria parasite only coming to earth to do a bunch of drugs. There was a reason that she continuously wanted to go up and be up and she had an awareness, but she didn't have an integration process nor the proper support to be able to get off of this. And it was a lot of her heartache was from the judgment of other people. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know if she ever got out of it. I mean, she was just one of those people passing through my life at the time, mm-hmm. but I'll really never forget that conversation when she was like, I, I have to stay up when I come down. It's too much. Mm-hmm. She, if it, if I'm high, at least I'm alive, even though I want to die and I want to die. So I'm going to stay high. And then when I come down, I mean, oh, it's just so heartbreaking, but I'm like, I'm in that room with her right now because her high is normal and her down is dead. 100%. Like, but the level, the level of substances and Mm -hmm. concoctions. Yeah. I was like, 
there's got to be another reason you're here besides proving that Jim Morrison was also not good at being supremely out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, I'll never forget her. And I always send her love when I think of times like that, because she taught me a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of anti-idol lessons for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's funny you should mention that because I also looked at some brain imaging studies um, from people with substance abuse disorders and it actually shows changes in areas of the brain um, that are critical for things like judgment, decision making, learning, memory, behavior control. And scientists believe that the changes alter the way that the brain works. And um, it actually helps explain that compulsive behaviors and destructive behaviors actually come along with addiction. So somebody who is a really good student, um, you're going to see their grades slip. Somebody who's a really bubbly social butterfly, you're going to see that they have trouble getting out of bed. Um, Somebody who's trustworthy um, may start stealing or lying. And behavioral changes like these are directly linked to those changes in the brain because addiction actually creates cravings. And these cravings are physically painful. They're constant and they're distracting. Um, And you can create, addiction is created through two different types of things. It's either biological, so 40 to 60% of um, society has a biological indication, epigenetic indication, where it's going to be something from a genetic disorder, or I shouldn't say disorder, it's genetically passed down, or some kind of environmental factor that says that you will be a biological Um, indicator that you can get addicted or it's an environmental exposure so like a traumatic event that's going to indicate that you are going to become somebody who can be addicted and so when we think of somebody who's addicted we like to judge a lot and say that they have control over that um and yeah just stop doing it right how hard is how hard is it just quit doing drugs exactly like you just hear all those and maybe naysayers maybe that um Sometimes, okay, so if you have a traumatic event and you need to get out of your mind because it's too painful, that isn't necessarily something where you could have controlled that first needle or that first smoke or that first drink or well, whatever also think it is. about like self-worth issues too. Yeah. Like what drives you down to yeah. that level. You know, sometimes that first sip was your control, but not always was it. And um, a lot of times that... 10th, that 20th, that 100th isn't your control. Um, And a lot of times the first one isn't either. And so having some sympathy, having some recognition that um, even, even if the first one was within our control, a lot of times where we are now isn't our control and we still need help. But it is your experience at the end of the day. Like if we can just kind of put like a cool observe don't attach thing about it or at least pull the emotions out of it like I hate when people go through bad things or very very tough lessons and then they never learn how to forgive themselves for what they were going through at the time Mm -hmm. um there there's a lot of grief and rehabilitating parts of yourself that aren't like can't fit in won't work isn't serving you the best um but being being kind to yourself through that evolution and understanding like you're kind of like the lotus in the mud at Mm -hmm. the moment. 
Right. It's probably the best visual that I can give for that. But being kind to yourself and not consistently looking back on that and being like, how could I do that? Right. Like you, well, you're not using anymore because you understand why you're not doing it. It's a vice. It's mm-hmm. a cover up. It's something you're releasing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, question. According to AmericanAddictionCenters.org, the five top most addictive, most addictive drugs. By that definition, what are the top five? I'm going to give you three of them. Number one is cocaine. Number two is heroin. Number five is methamphetamine. Do you know what number three and four are? Is it my two friends? It's not weed and psilocybin, is it? It is not. Oh, thank God. I was like, your paper is wrong, woman. (laughs) It's actually a little scarier. What is it? Alcohol and nicotine. Oh, yes. Totally legal. Totally socially acceptable. Totally. Totally addictive and totally drugs. Oh, my God. I love it. Right? Echo, echo, echo. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And here's what's even scarier. A drug... That is more addictive than all five of those. Do you know what it is? Cheetos. (laughs) The puffy kinds, too. You're actually pretty close. (laughs) Sugar. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely correct. Sugar Sugar over Cheetos. Sugar. They've They've done tests like lab rats, and they've given them sugar and cocaine and they're like their more, brains they're more addicted to sugar and it's more damaging it's more addictive it's more damaging it's more just it's socially acceptable it's socially read read like it's in everything mm-hmm. it's literally it's literally in everything well if it's not like if like main vein sugar yeah isn't it? it's like high fructose corn yeah. syrup it's a liquid mm-hmm. it's it's hidden it's, everywhere yeah it's Everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. I'm yeah. a big honey and cane sugar person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I got rid of my sugar addiction with honey mm-hmm. and tea. So like herbal teas, mm-hmm. really getting into all the fun flavors. Mm-hmm. And you have to like retrain your taste buds. Like yeah. we talked on Tiffany's episode. Every two weeks, your taste buds flip over. That's like if you start a new diet or you do a low carb diet, you really have to buckle down and be very very strict mm-hmm. the first two weeks because then after that two weeks you're like oh this is my shit yeah when i started juicing it was like that i was like yeah. oh i do love all these fruits and veggies but i do need to acknowledge that my tongue would rather have french fries right. and i don't know oh like a dq blizzard yeah, yeah that's my thing yeah but here's the thing french fries have sugar right? i know yeah and here's the thing. Did you see how you just broke my heart? I'm I like, I know. Here's the thing. Is I love that potatoes. I have kicked the sugar addiction once in my life or maybe twice in my life. But the fact of the matter is it is a drug addiction just like everything else. And I am sugar's bitch. I am a hundred. Like I am. It is my Achilles ill. It is. It is my thing. Like I am so addicted to sugar and I hate it. But it is. It, I am addicted. And it. And. Like, do you, do you plan on building an awareness and like finding inside of yourself why you're addicted to it? Like, where are you at with the evolution of the awareness? Um, I am aware that I am addicted and I am aware that I don't want to be, and I'm aware that I want to work on it. That's where I am. 
it's a good place to be. <laughs> no, so very I know, honest. I, and I know that I've worked on it. And the thing is, I also know that even just like a little sip, a little taste, and I am back in. I'm back in. It sounds like this. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly Ugh. what it is. Yeah. Like, That's exactly what it like is. Just like seeing someone do like a yeah. rail really quick and then they're like, ha, yeah, and that's I, what I like. I can convince myself that, oh, this little bit won't hurt. I can do a little bit. It'll be fine. And then that little bit turns into, well, I was fine with that little bit, so I can do a little bit again. And then, well, I can do two little bits. You're literally describing long, a Coke addict right now. I know. That's One what I'm bump, sa- two that's bumps, exactly three what bumps, I'm saying. Four. And before long, I am addicted to two Starbucks every day. Oh, dude. You know? That is a fierce addiction. And right now, I'm I'm like, you you need to, you can have one Starbucks a day. One Starbucks. One. Hey, I used to be addicted and, to and Red And next, Bulls. I'm going to go to one Starbucks every other day. <laughs> I, I'm and telling you, you're doing it right. I had gosh, to do the same thing. It. I drank four to five Red Bulls a day. Yeah. Big, big Red Bulls. I remember, like, my side would be hurting. My heart would be beating out of my chest. I also smoked two packs a day and would love the dollar menu because mm-hmm. I'd love me some cheap-ass French fries. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm like, oh, my God, I've been eating poison. I can't believe I survived. Yeah. But and it, my and Red Bull addiction. I don't feel good when I have all that but sugar. But the crash is what I was talking about. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you go so high, but then, like, you crash hard. But and it's a consistent cycle that you're like, how am I going to get out of this? Yeah. And when Tea. I, when I'm like, okay, I'm going to like, you try to go cold Turkey on the sugar Well, and then I get angry. Yeah. 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 And you're I'm, absolutely right. It's a full on real drug addiction. Maybe we should do like a whole episode on how to rehab yourself off of sugar and what are the proper, like, it's kind of like methadone for heroin is kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like, like I said, honey and cane sugar. Like I started cooking with cane sugar. I started eliminating things from my diet that had sugar in it, whether it was hiding or whether it was like right in my face. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I use honey for everything. And then like, especially in my cooking ingredients, I just get like really nitty gritty into it. And I'm like, what can I take this out and insert this? That's not going to either hurt me as much or, you know, isn't, the most addictive substance on earth. Right. Well, it's funny you should mention because <laughs> uh-huh. I'm really serious. I want to get off sugar. I really, really, really am. So I happened to pull up a little thing about break your sugar addiction in 10 days. Oh, so in addition days? to what you just said, this is supposed to work. Like I'm for real about my sugar addiction. Like I have some, when I had a, wellness center right i have mm-hmm. this stuff and i have it over on my shelf right now it might be expired by now honestly but it's this stuff where you spray it in your mouth before you eat or drink anything before you put anything in your mouth and it it takes out the flavor of sugar yes and so anything especially now if you eat fruit that's a natural sugar and it doesn't really impact that that's good it's the fake sugar that it kills and so anything that's fake sugar it literally it taste like such disgusting like you eat a cookie um because a lot of times cookies are made with fake sugar um and it tastes like you're eating um flour straight flour and it's disgusting so it reminds me of like when you um were like biting your nails too much Mm -hmm. and they put like and you put (laughs) like that (laughs) exactly you You make it gross yeah and you you make it gross you change your thought about it because if you actually do spray it in your mouth every time before you eat sugar then every time you eat sugar you have this disgusting reaction to it and now all of a sudden your craving is no longer there 
I understand that, right? but before we go and try to kill the demon without understanding it, <laughs> yeah, do you? You don't have to answer this now, but just maybe no, I, later. I don't know why. You don't know why mm-hmm. you are that addicted to sugar. Like that's your I, main. Vice. I mean, here's the thing. I don't know what. I, honestly, I would like to think it's just because sugar is addictive and delicious. Yeah, yeah. I would like to think it's because I've been eating it since I was born. Mm-hmm. But is there like a uh, psychological addiction to it? I don't know. Is it yeah. emotional eating? I don't know. Um, I don't believe I've ever been an emotional eater, but I also don't believe I ever have stress. And I know that's a lie. Well, the fact that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you have a sugar addiction, but it's not like you're like eating like a grocery cart full of like snack foods Mm -mm. your main addiction happens to be starbucks coffee Mm -hmm. which is coffee and all the sugar right so i mean you're technically dealing with two Mm -hmm. two demons Mm and saying that it's just one right so yeah going cold turkey off of all of that sugar but also all of that caffeine Mm -hmm. the addiction that you have is equivalent to a drug addict yeah but you're not operating obviously at that level you're not shooting anything or taking anything but Mm -hmm. brain chemistry relatability you're 100 percent firing off all the same yeah i'm as addicted as all the same things absolutely it's honestly terrifying because you're not Mm -hmm. the only one out there no i used to so i quit drinking starbucks when i started managing like back in the day because i would have these employees call in and they would be like hey shy i'm gonna be late can i get you anything from starbucks and i'm just like (laughs) what are are you are you stuck in the drive through or you you're late and you're still gonna stop at starbucks so now you're bribing your manager is that what i'm getting trouble yeah yes so you're not in trouble but you also you can't build you can't build those relationships. You don't get to pick and choose based on, hey, I brought you a Starbucks, totally fine, you're late, and then like reprimand somebody else. Mm-hmm. So from the very first time somebody offered me Starbucks, I already knew that this was coming up because I had a mentor before I got into management. And um, I was like, I don't drink Starbucks and you can't bring me something just because you're late for work. Well, I feel bad. And I'm like, well, then be better. Don't mm-hmm. bribe me so I can not hold you accountable for your actions. That's what's wrong with the world today. Right. Is you're like, oh, I know you did wrong, but here's a puppy. No. Take your puppy back and hold yourself accountable for your shitty actions. Mm-hmm. Those are those are just like But that's still an, lighthearted. an addict's behavior. Oh oh absolutely, yeah. but it's it's one hundred percent just totally fine to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I couldn't imagine oh my gosh, especially at that time, like one girl found out that I love Snickers bars and she would just always bring me a Snickers. I'm like, Did you mess up and not tell me? Because the only time y'all give me stuff is when it's like, yeah, hey, we got you this because you have to go fix this problem or I don't want to be in trouble and all this mm-hmm. stuff. It's really hard to hold a lot of people accountable, especially when you're yeah. managing a staff that size. It really is. Yeah. I, I never did enjoy being manager. I enjoyed the company that I worked for. I think if I did management anywhere else, I definitely would have enjoyed it. But mm-hmm. Texas Roadhouse culture, I mean, I won't take it over, but oh my God, that... <laughs> That saved me, that trained me, that helped me in so many different ways. But yeah. I understand where you're coming from. It's 100% draining. Mm-hmm. 
So, okay, how to break your sugar addiction in 10 days. We'll see if I actually try this or not. I'm not making any commitments. I will honestly say that you have a lot going on. And if I were you, I I wouldn't do it until yeah, it all of the stuff that it, you need to get through is out of the way. It might be a couple weeks. Yeah, well, <laughs> even if it's a couple months, like, yeah. there's so much, yeah. there's so much stuff in the way that... I mean, I'm not saying it's like helping you, but the last thing you want to do when you're super busy is quit your coffee. Yeah. So I told myself going into February that I was going to stop Starbucks. Like I was going to do it. And then I was going to do that. And then I started February and I really learned that uh, my stress budget is overcharged right now and I cannot afford it. Yeah. Which again, we're talking about coffee. If you're like, I don't want to quit doing heroin because no, we're not talking about you, bud. We're not talking about you. Um, no, no, no. Yeah. No. I mean, I know, I know it's not what I want for my life. And I like, so what I decided instead is that instead of pulling back on the sugar and the caffeine, which I know I absolutely need to do. I'm pulling up on the fruits and the vegetables and, you know, like I'm, I'm not doing, well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not really a horrible eater to begin with, but I haven't been getting as many fruits and vegetables as I really know I needed. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm pulling that lever instead. And I'm, am going to pull the sugar back because I know it's really horrible for me and I want to be better, but it's just not the time. It's anyway, fine. You're yeah. building the awareness. Yeah. 10 steps to freedom. Yes. So, um, so they, okay, so here's just some facts, okay? Adults consume about 22 teaspoons of sugar a day. On average, adults, 22 teaspoons. It's recommended that we limit to five teaspoons. Five teaspoons. Okay. I mean, children. are not going cold turkey this is this is worse okay we have more diabetic children in america today than i mean it's a pandemic it really is it's well, a pandemic. i don't have time on this episode to go through how our food sources have been completely like <laughs> right. robbed from us but if you yeah. didn't know that look at the food quality from 50s 60s and early yeah, 70s absolutely. and what they serve us today yeah it's completely different children consume 34 teaspoons of sugar a day so almost double of what adults do. And they should be having no more than four. So they should be having less than us. So in perspective, that's one 12-ounce can of soda pop is 10 teaspoons of sugar. So kids have three soda pops a day of sugar. Ridiculous. Yeah, I drank Mountain Dew like it was going out of style when I was a kid. Code yeah. red, all that stuff. In addition. In, right? Yeah, in addition <laughs> to everything else that I yeah. have. So they do recommend that you go cold turkey on the sugar um, because sugar does things like acid reflux, irritable bowel, fatigue. We know, we know, we know, right? Um, so what we do is you commit yourself to 10 days of the detox. Quit cold turkey and you cut all forms of sugar and it hides, right? So white flour, artificial sweeteners, um, hydrogenated fats, MSG, Pre-packaged foods, probably one of the worst places you can find sugar, is any of your pre-processed foods. So bad. Yes, you're absolutely right. And don't drink your calories. I promise you, if you're drinking calories, you are drinking sugar. So water, cool. Anything else, stop it. (laughs) 
<laughs> anything else stop it yeah do your own research yeah absolutely. it's empowering to do your own research absolutely. we don't want to like do matter of fact shit here but no because like probably iced tea is fine as long as it's not sweetened iced tea got me off of sweet tea but it mm-hmm. took me like over a year because i used to down mountain dew and mcdonald's sweet tea mm-hmm. a dollar a cup you gotta be kidding me yeah um but i thought i was never gonna get off sugar when i was younger yeah. it was my biggest addiction was soda and chocolate and Mm -hmm. oh my gosh like the junk drawer in general like that's all i ate Mm -hmm. and then before after dinner didn't matter i was just like ah yeah well and black coffee of course is no sugar but of course tea and coffee both have caffeine so you know pick your poison no 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 i totally get it yeah um and then of course juices um they do have a lot of sugar in them but that isn't to say that fruit juice and vegetable juice isn't necessarily bad for you, especially if you're doing it yourself or getting cold pressed or something like that. I think it, there's going to be a balance in everything because I don't want to be like, oh, there's sugar, there's sugar in my juice. No, there's yeah. sugar in this. Like, do your research, yeah. check your companies, source your ingredients, yeah. see again, like, why you think you need this excess amount of sugar. Yeah. So include eggs, nuts, seed, fish, chicken, or grass fed meats in your diet. Um, eat the right carbs. So non-starchy vegetables, asparagus, green beans, mushroom, onion, zucchini, tomatoes, uh, peppers, eggplants. Uh, look up the right non-starchy vegetables. Include good fats in every meal. Um, go for nuts, seeds, avocado, fish, which offer um, omega-3 fatty acids. Manage your stress. Easier said than done. <laughs> um, because when you're stressed, your cortisol shoots up and this will drive you into hunger, which can feed sugar carvings, cravings, <laughs> which is not the time to give up sugar carvings. Cravings. Carvings, all right, probably. Um, quit gluten and dairy, which again is not easy. Um, get the right amount of sleep because that shoots up your food cravings, which shoots up your sugar cravings. Um, and, uh, of course, if you can beat your sugar habit, you're going to be a lot healthier, but it's not easy. It's not easy, but I, I like that we came on here and not only just talked about like substance abuse, but just like, but like, like. real addiction yeah addiction addiction. everyday life Mm -hmm. and like pinpointing like what is my vice what habit do i have that's actually covering up something that i'm supposed to be working on Mm -hmm. i wish i lived in a world where i could put stuff in my body and it just did not do (laughs) like it didn't hurt it it was always Mm good that'd just be my utopia cheeseburgers and pot Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> in DQ blizzards. All right. But instead, I'm freaking juicing and going, oh, trying to get my life together. So right? I'm really yeah. glad you brought sugar up and yeah. the tobacco and alcohol really blew my mind. Yeah. So I wanted to share a couple of things. Um, these are some films that you can watch that you can educate yourself on for um, sugar that probably if you like binge watched if you binge watch these in like a weekend, you would probably never have sugar again. So um, oh. that sugar film, which was an Australian film, Fed Up, which was an American film, Sugar Crush, which was an Ireland film, uh, Sugar Coated, which was Canadian, and The Truth About Sugar, which was BBC, and Jamie Oliver's Sugar Rush. So all of those focus on how bad sugar is for you. Um, and I thought it was kind of odd that all of those films came out in about two years' time. 
Um, so like between 2014 and 2015 or 2016. Anyway, I just thought that was weird that they all were focused all around the world at the same two years. Mm -hmm. Um, and then a few years later, there was a movie that came out called what the health, which was also a documentary. And they were kind of like, is it sugar or are they just kind of trying to put the emphasis on something else when it's really the medical industry trying to tell us it's not our fault and it's sugar's fault, but it's, really kind of our fault i so just go watch all that i was like i could flip this whole episode into what the health yeah please go watch (laughs) that because you'll with that knowledge you're you're wanting to do it because you basically feel like you're eating garbage Mm -hmm. like go out to a dumpster and eat the garbage Mm -hmm. because that's exactly what the food that you love and crave and think that oh it's okay i just have a sweet tooth Mm -hmm. dude no your temple is literally your body Mm mm-hmm Whatever you put in your body becomes a part of your body. Mm-hmm. Sadhguru says that. And when I heard him say that, it, it really did speak to me louder than hearing it from anybody else previously. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I went and I audited myself. And again, I, I've i been uh, trading everything out in my kitchen for the last three years to basically be more like vegan vegetarian sometimes I'll do meat like I don't want to label it by any means it's not like a status symbol for me or an aesthetic to be like look at my vegan food Mm, I'm vegan you just want to feel better yeah I just want to feel better and I want to live as long as I can and enjoy this I want to enjoy like Cheyenne's life so to speak Mm -hmm. I want to be this character I want to live and I want to be as healthy as I possibly can moving forward and for me that starts with building rebuilding a connection with food and with nutrition the proper way because obviously um no fault to anybody but i i don't know how to be healthy and nutritious i mean i do now but when i started i was like i'm gonna freaking starve to death or be 400 pounds because i'm too lazy to learn i would Mm -hmm. rather go pick it up somewhere go do this or go do this putting in the time and effort into your nutrition is another form of self-love that i found yeah and i just be singing making smoothies making juices chopping Mm -hmm. up stuff in the kitchen Mm -hmm. i think also working in the restaurant industry for so long and doing all the training that i did like i found a pure joy in making all of the recipes Mm -hmm. i'm like oh i know how to build a base recipe now Mm -hmm. shoot (laughs) shoot Um, I think you did a really good job going through like the mind aspect of it and things that people are addicted to illegal substances and legal substances. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to touch base on this too long. Um, my PSA about it is really, um, I think there's this misconception of people that like scenario, um, a family member goes to rehab, like they know they need to go to rehab. Um, and then is that like a put off for the family to be like, okay, this facility is going to fix them and then they'll give us back to them and they're all going to be fine because the drugs are going to be out of their system. Um, I think that's a really unrealistic expectation for someone to step outside of their life and learn a whole new program pathway to like live without these substances and then come back into their life that, you know, made them do all of those things, whether it's the trauma that's in them too. So I always found it um, interesting that families 
weren't putting in any work behind the scenes like so like families don't go to rehab too well I know that there are programs that they do that like they'll bring in like a family on like day three because they're going to reveal stuff about themselves that like root causes and that could be like inner child generational trauma all this stuff but it's going to go back to like if you're talking about like a parent and a kid it's going to go back to the parents coming in and then there's a therapist there obviously with the person who's in rehab and it's like hey um this happened in my childhood and this is the reason that I, I I react this way I'm triggered this way and I do this and immediately the parent goes into survival mode and they're like I did the best I could and you can't blame me for this and blah 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 so I found through experience of helping others and observing the differences in the families of my friends that were going through these things if your family is too busy on being embarrassed by your addiction and your actions um they're too busy trying to like basically recover their ego in the situation because they feel like a failed parent because their kid's a drug addict or their kid wants to die or all of this crazy stuff's happening and it it becomes like kind of like a pr thing for parents where they're like oh they're just taking some time off everything's fine and it doesn't it doesn't do well to write that narrative in that sense because this person it has to be truthful with what they just did in their life, whether they're coming out of it, going into it. You don't get to go put somebody in rehab and spin it like a celebrity headline, like, oh, everything's fine. It's totally fine. Because that person will 100% go back to the demons that led them to recovery in the first place. Most likely, they have a high percentage of relapsing. And secondly, they don't heal properly. And now you're the problem, but you're just thinking it was drugs in their system. There's a reason that people are using these things. There's a reason that we want to access altered states of consciousness, but they're all different. They're all, they're all to us. So that's um, a really good point. And we need to feel like we are okay as we are all our flaws included. Absolutely. But Mm -hmm. I also think like there's healing to do with any of those. Like I know obviously if someone like stole a bunch of shit from you and went and bought drugs with it. Yeah. That's probably going to be hard to forgive, but you're carrying that around with you. That's Mm -hmm. an energy. That's something that's going to physically manifest in your body eventually, whether hurt, shoulder disease, whatever you want to call it, dis ease in the body. Yeah. Break those words down. They're Mm like, whoa. Um, but I really have found that if the families do their own research and they are open minded instead of in some form of condemning and like, you know, better, you don't do they're recovering their parental ego. That's all they're doing, whether they realize it or not, because that same parent that's playing PR on their kid that tried to kill themselves or took too much drugs is the same parent that when their kid achieves something, they take full responsibility and accountability. And like my kid achieved something good. Yeah, that's my kid. I did that. I did that. Yep, that's me. Like you don't take credit for my achievements if you don't take credit for my traumas Mm -hmm. because you were there for everything. Mm -hmm. So really what I could get into is the fact that Um, it's going to go back to generational trauma and it's going to go back to an unawareness of what society and what people were taught in those times. And I think the hardest part about evolution that I've watched and probably the last three generations of people that I've met is, um, the whole, I'm the adult, you're the child mentality doesn't really work. If you think about like soul evolution, right? So technically like the soul's 
that come in behind you that are the kids that you're supposed to help and guide and evolve, mm-hmm. they're older than you. Right. Not all of them, but they're here to teach you too. Right. And the person that looks at a child and says, you're a child, do as I say, not as I do. Um, what is it? Um, why do I not do that? Because I said so. Like all of these just suppressive ways of parenting that mm-hmm. are completely outdated and will only make sure that you're in therapy by 30. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're important to like not necessarily like blame anybody for using it and doing it, but just acknowledging that that information wasn't there. But now that that knowledge is there, what happened to you wasn't your fault, but your healing is 100% your responsibility. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at a child and you're like, you're not a child, I already know I'm this old. I've been through this life. Well, now we get into that whole like weird thing about like respect your elders. And I know that I've talked about this before, but respect your elders goes back to respect the knowledge and respect the wisdom. So if I'm 15 and you're 35, and even though I'm 15, I respect the knowledge and I respect the wisdom and I might just happen to be the knowledge and the wisdom at 15, then I think there's something in the Bible. I think it's like Timothy 4.12. I think I'm pretty sure. I don't know. It's popping up 12 or 13 in my head. I think it's 12. Um, But it basically talks about like not belittling anybody like for their age. Like, please Google it. Tell me if it's the right one. I guess I could Google it right now. I I finish up talking. Um, But I actually came across this uh, in my earlier years I used to, well, I mean, I've had plenty, plenty of families to say, um, but I have one that is definitely connected to the faith more than the other ones. And their, um, their way of getting through it is quoting scripture, which I think is awesome. My way is affirmations. So, I mean, no hard feelings. Um, but there is like some condemning and some judging and it comes out as I care for you and that is uh, more of an internal observation that you should bring on to yourself. If you're looking at the youth and you're like, you're doing wrong because you don't follow this agenda that I have ridiculously laid out for you. So now that I found Timothy 412, I want to go back to this. It says, um, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech in conduct in love and faith and in purity. And I was right. It was Timothy 412. Um, I repeated that a lot and I used it condescendingly to people that would look down on me because I am a wanderer. I dance to the beat of my own drum and I am the perfect example of not all who wander are lost. Um, So I would like get beat over the head with these Bible verses and just like, oh, you should do this because this is what I think you should do. And I'm like, Timothy 412. Like if you love that damn Bible so much, please Open Timothy 4.12 and read it to me. Read it to yourself. Go ahead. Do it. I swear to God, it'll change your life. It'll change your perspective because we're all mirrors for each other. And I know that that wasn't taught or if it was, it was a part of like a hippie 60s, 70s culture. But this, this belief that because you're older, that you know more and you can look down on people going through stuff. It's just like, this is my life. This is my free will. You don't breathe for me. You don't put your 
you don't put my feet on the ground for me every day. If you did, I'd be eating cheeseburgers and DQ blizzards. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, hey, thanks for living my life. Don't forget my DQ on the way home. <laughs> but that's not the case. We're all here living our own life. We're all here just doing our own lessons, doing our own thing. And I think if we really just like step away from those people that we're like helicoptering over because we care for them so much, we, it does come from like a good place. But it's a really good introspection introspection on like your part if you're over caring in a situation where you have no fucking control over the other person so if they continuously relapse and relapse and relapse and you're like you can't do this you can't do this you're killing me you are too close to the forest to see the trees and you actually can't help that person anymore no matter how much you love them this is their addiction and now you've become a part of the problem even though you think you're helping you're actually fucking not psa <laughs> So, um, like I said, substance abuse is very near and dear to my heart. I don't judge it. I don't judge mental health. I don't judge people that want to do suicide. Um, the darkest parts of yourself is what I believe that I'm here to help people with. Um, starting self-love, starting routines, organizing, getting your, getting yourself together. And really just like, I just want to figure out where you need to go and where you need to help. But I have so many stories that I really can't speak on from my past, um, they're not my stories. I'll, I take, I keep secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've learned a lot of lessons just from the idols and anti-idols in my life. And I am, I couldn't be more proud of the path that I've taken, even though there are times in my retrospects, um, like how I'm still doing memory recovery from a four year span of my life. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, I think it's great to just like give yourself some time and some grace and some space And then recognize like we're all here for a purpose. We're all here to help each other. And there's no reason for us to like condemn each other to our actions. Um, It's sad when your friend doesn't learn a lesson and you have to watch them continuously do the same cycle over and over. It's called karma. You have to break it. You have to have courage to do that. Whether it's drugs, a bad relationship, shit, you know, name it. But you can be addicted to more than just drugs. I just think it's super easy, especially in this like social media culture. And like we're always on, we're always doing this that um you're always judging you're always condemning you're always comparing you're always doing all this stuff and at the end of the day you're the only one that's going to be able to pull yourself out of that you can be addicted to so many legal things and then still look at somebody like a homeless person and be like oh you're homeless because you fucked up and that's not true I went through like a big thing in my life where I had like this big complex because I knew that I wanted to drop out of college because I'm literally like falling asleep in class and I would rather like go venture out in the world And my family did not take kindly to it. They didn't like beat me up or anything, but they certainly weren't as supportive as if I just would have went and died in college. Um, I didn't want to do it. I literally wanted a broadcasting degree. And here I am with my roadcaster, my bestie, (laughs) and all of the experiences and all the things that I've read over the last however many years of exploring planet Earth. So, uh, if you're, if you're like me out there that wants to take the path less traveled, dude, it's totally worth it. (laughs) Totally worth it. So wrapping up, we hope you've learned something. We hope if you have somebody in your life with substance abuse issues or any addiction at all, that you educate yourself on the best way to help them and support them and get them through this technical life lesson. You do no good living the life for them. You do no good 
trying to learn their lessons for them. Remember, it is their free will. Um, remind them that they're worthy. Remind them that they're loved. And if they if they can't feel your love, that is the number one indication that they have no self-love and they rarely have self-worth. And that's where they need to start. So you need to figure out how to support them with building them up. You don't get to pour your cup into them because that that's not how it works. If it's you fill your cup up and it's overflowing, then we're all flowing together. You just said something. If they can't feel your love. Feel your love. Right then that's the indication that they don't have self-love and self-worth. It's 100% the reason that I back away from most of my friendships when I have conversations with people and I have very deep conversations with people that call me and have stuff in their lives. I'm an uncertified therapist (laughs) and I am honored that people call me in their darkest times, like gun in your hand, so to speak. I'm so sorry, you know, but it is. It makes me back away because I had that boundary. It was my lesson to learn. I understood um, all the love that I had from everybody. And I always questioned like why I can't feel it, why I'm so numb inside. Mm -hmm. I'm a Linkin Park song for Mm -hmm. like a big part of my life. I'm like Linkin Park's albums, like the first four. (laughs) Um, And I always wondered, like I knew that I was loved, but I couldn't feel it. And then when I finally realized it was because I didn't love myself and then like I was beating myself up in the mirror, I wasn't my best friend. I didn't even know myself. You start loving yourself, nurturing yourself, and then parts of yourself show up and go, hey, I'm here too. That's Mm -hmm. the inner child that's going to be your teenager, your future self, all of that fun stuff. All of these parts of you start showing up and you have to connect them. You have to love them. You have to grieve with them and you have to just be there for yourself Mm -hmm. and it's going to cure that constant loneliness that you think you have, whether you're in a crowd of people, it's going to cure that obsessive. I have to be here now. I have to do this. I'm living in the future. I'm living in the past. Self-love is everything. Mm -hmm. It's again, it's that incubus lyric. Like you better figure out how to do it before they figure out how to make it illegal Mm -hmm. because seriously, it's the only thing that's going to save you. And then you kind of, it's like you illuminate yourself, so to speak. And then you, you honestly, when you practice it, you probably won't be as mean to people. You won't be (laughs) as judgmental. You won't be as condemning because you have this severe, big picture awareness of like what we're all doing here, why we're all doing it. And you don't suffer as much. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that I suffered a lot. And like, I'm like a Robin Williams. I want to be the happiest person in the room. I want to be the best friend to you. I want to make you feel better. I want you to make, I want you to feel loved and you to feel safe. So if I want that for everybody so bad, were those like, were those like not always there for me? Was I not always able to accept them since I have such a craving for it? Like you have a sugar craving. Mm -hmm. I have a craving to set up safe spaces all over the fucking world for people. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no more will anybody I know ever feel unsafe. No more will anybody ever feel like they can't call. They can't come. I have a couch. I have clothes. I would give somebody the shirt off my back if I knew that they needed to be comfortable and they needed to know that humanity is there for them. You know, again, it's another Incubus song. It's called The Warmth. The lyrics are so inspiring. And especially like if you're in like a suicidal mind state, I would definitely like repeat it, but I'm not going to sing it, but it says, um, don't let the world get you down. Not everybody here is that fucking cold. Um, remember why you came and why you're alive um, experience the warmth before you go. 
and the warmth is humanity, the human connection, the aliveness, the life purpose, the true, true, when you connect with that frequency, when you get it, when you connect to it, you never want to lose sight of it again. It is beautiful. It is astounding. And as Eckhart Tolle said, it will literally give you this sense of aliveness and you mirror that aliveness back to people. Mm -hmm. I'm able to be a suicide detector for people because I mirror the aliveness that I've worked for to people. And when that boomerang doesn't come back to me, now I'm going to sense in your body what's stopping you from living. And I'm going to sidebar you. And I'm going to let you know like, hey, you're not alone. I've been through this. And if I haven't been what you're going through, I'm going to get you in front of the person that is going to make it relatable, but you're not alone and you're fucking worthy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I just really love everybody. Can you tell? <laughs> like I really do. And it's because I started loving myself mm -hmm. and it's not like a vain concept where I'm like, I love myself. Right, blah, blah. Right. Like when you experience it, you'll get it. Right. And you'll probably email me if you're listening to it being like, the fuck is she talking about? Like, <laughs> start your self-love journey. I swear. It's life-changing. <laughs> and for, like, a lot of people that I grew up with, I know I have, like, friends back home that listen to this. And, you know, maybe some people that are like, what? I heard she's got a show. That's crazy. And they know <laughs> the old parts of me. Right. There's no way that I'm recognizable at this point. Yeah. There's just absolutely not. I'm not recognizable to myself with my evolution sometimes, yeah. which is why I say it's important to take your notebooks out. Right. That, lets, that saying that like, if you knew me a, a year ago, you have no idea who I am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're always allowed to change. You, mm -hmm. you can change tomorrow. You can change the next day. It's your free will. Mm -hmm. We're just helping you with like some tools and some experiences and really bridging that gap. Yeah. That's what we're here for. We're also here to show you some music, music. <laughs> <laughs> it's that time it is <clears throat> and again don't forget vitality exposed concert photography is going to sponsor all of the music for here and until i'm dead oh like i can't ever ominous. yeah i can't i'm obsessed with kelly i'm obsessed with her work and i'm obsessed with her passion for the music industry we used to stand front row together so she was like my og concert buddy <laughs> so i love her you have to go check out her page and today She's actually sponsoring a song from Camden Smith, my buddy down in Tennessee. He's around the Nashville area. Um, today I picked his song, Hard to Hold on the Bottle. That just makes sense, right? I mean, substance yeah. abuse. Substance abuse, but broken hearts can do a lot of crazy things to you. So, Camden, thank you so There's much for writing this. My do you want to do the music no, or no, did no. you want Camden, Camden to? Camden. I'm just checking. <laughs> Again, Camden, thanks for singing this. This is a really good song. Girl, I know we have some history, but what you see is what you get. Girl, I know it ain't no mystery. I've been drinking that Tennessee whiskey to get you out of my head. So I grabbed the keys and I hit the road. Blue lights call, hell girl, I've already lost it all Now I don't care which way I'm going
bridge with the phone every time you call and say that you miss me. Girl, just leave. Don't say you love me. Cause if you do, why'd you cut the strings that we thought we had for centuries? So just let me go. Cause I'm 